Welcome to Actually Best Choice Movies. Uh, it's the world's only movie podcast. G- congratulations on finding us. You did it. You uh, scavenged and you found. You've braced the elements to find this podcast. <laughs> you walked to the top of a mountain in Tibet, I guess, and you found a thumb drive that had this podcast on it. You were friends of either Caleb or Chris and clicked <laughs> on their Instagram story. So it's actually best choice movies abc movies the world's only movie podcast i'm one of your hosts my name is chris chafin i'm caleb shively one of the hosts so every week on the show what we do is we talk about two movies and they fit together like uh the like a two-piece jigsaw puzzle like a two-piece jigsaw puzzle of two-piece a two-piece bathing suit yes like a two-piece yeah. bathing suit a two-piece bathing suit actually does not fit together there's a substantial gap between so the that's pieces. true my wife sometimes wears different bottoms with the with a different top Ooh, that sounds vaguely dirty when you say it that way. It is vaguely dirty in real life, too. Uh, so... Washroom. Washroom. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no, I mean, not to cut you off. I don't know why I was doing that. Because no, um, let's be frank, I have nothing to say. So, like, I don't know if you have, if you, God willing, you have something interesting to say. Like, just Oh, never. Um, so every week on the show, we, yes, talk about two movies. So this week, the two movies are uh, The Assistant, the new movie from, is from this year or from 2019? Uh, was it hit the... It, it, it premiered a lot this year, uh, Sundance, and yeah, you could say it's a 2020 movie. A 2020, our first 2020 movie, I think, yeah. right? I mean, it's barely February, so that's pretty good. Yeah, we did it. Uh, and from the director, Kitty Green, and we're pairing that with uh, the 2012 movie from, remind me of the director's name? Craig Zobel. Craig Zobel. It's Compliance. Um, a movie which I was not thrilled to be forced to watch, if I'm being totally honest. I think it's, yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it this week on Actually Best Choice Movies. Uh, But before we get to any of that, uh, Caleb, what have you been watching this week, dog? Oh, lots of cute things. Um... (laughs) So, uh, and you know, if I can just tell you, if, if the answer is nothing some week, you feel free to be honest with me oh, and just say nothing. Why would you I know? never not watch movies during a <laughs> two week period that I have in my life? I just wanted to put it out. I don't want, I don't want you to be feeling pressure oh, and I'd living a certain pressure. lifestyle. Uh, you know? If anything, I, I, write, I say less movies than I watch. Like I watched uh, Zombieland <laughs> in theaters. Uh, excuse me, Zombie Child. That's uh, from Bertrand Bonello, who did uh, one of my favorite movies called Nocturama. He has a new movie in theaters. Oh, sure. Zombie child. Yeah, uh, zombie spelled without the E, so it's Z-O-M-B-I. Oh, yeah, we, we were talking about this recently, were we not? Yeah, uh, it was up for discussion in our, we did, when did we discuss what to do. <laughs> uh, so what do you think about it? What do you think about it? Uh, it's not his uh, gleaming best, uh, but it's very solid. I enjoyed... That it was, uh, it's about zombies, because the word zombies in the title, but uh, about the more history and uh, Haitian roots of zombie. Yeah, it's about like real mm-hmm. zombies, like and Haitian then, voodoo uh, zombies. It's also about yeah. uh, girls at their uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Your private school? Um, a private school? Is, <laughs> yeah. is that the word you're looking for? A boarding school? Boarding school, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's good. Uh, I also saw, this movie didn't get any press. Wait, 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 wait. But before you move on from Zombieland, sure. can we talk about it Zombie for another second? Zombieland, Zombie Child. I did the same thing yeah. you did. Uh, I saw the trailer for it. I was I was really interested at first, and then it sort of kind of lost me the longer the trailer went on because it started to seem a lot like... I thought like someone had read a book about Haitian zombies and just wanted to make a movie to explain oh, yeah. it to people. Um, you know, it didn't seem like there was a lot. Having already known that from the great movie, The Serpent and the Rainbow, the mm-hmm. like Stephen King movie from sure, the sure, late sure. 80s. In the shadows of the imagination <laughs> lies the ultimate nightmare. Don't let them bury me. I'm not dead. With Bill Pullman, is that who's in that movie? He is, yeah. So this movie looked interesting. I mean, maybe I'm, maybe it's just because I'm like culturally insensitive, or uh, biased against a, it somehow. Uh, a nice uh, emotional element to it, like one of the girls is uh, descended of it and has to like because it's like two uh, friends and yeah, one of them four knows friends, about. Yeah. Oh, is it? Oh, okay, yeah. Well, like they come to be uh, their own secret cult of like, hey, you want to join our secret girl club? And then and they're like the zombie club. No, no, no. Uh, and then they have their own like. It's a very separate story of just, uh, you know, girls at a school. And then it slowly unfolds that uh, her, uh, she comes from this voodoo, uh, voodoo lineage. heritage, yeah. Uh, and then it, one of the girls who is just lovesick and lovelorn and, uh, gets her aunt to cast a spell. And that's pre- it gets pretty freaky. And it's pretty pretty interesting. <laughs> what, what was the other movie you saw? Oh, uh, Light of My Life. Uh, very sappy title, but a very, uh, it's about the... Uh, end of the world uh but where in the world has uh some women had viruses so women are kind of outlawed so the dad has to hide his daughter and raise her as like not raise her as a son but just like tell everyone she's the son and she's mm-hmm. getting to be like 11 12 so it's about that time where it's like getting harder for him to do and who are we here it's my this is my son company boy uh and they don't really it's like yeah what the road times okay. uh it's like the future is it post-apocalyptic or yeah is it, yeah okay um but they don't really concentrate on like that story as much when it happens it's like boom boom like the big action pieces happen. but it's more just like uh that movie i liked a lot uh, by deborah granick with ben foster and uh, Mackenzie thomason I have no idea. I have no idea. You're yeah. looking at me expectantly, and I wish I could be here I know, for that you. Movie but I is I called, literally oh, have no uh, idea. I leave no trace. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. I have heard of that. So yeah, it's just like a, a dad and a daughter like making themselves in the wilderness. Uh, so it's weird that that's a very concentrated in this very small scale for a post-apocalyptic movie. Uh, but again, it got no press uh, because <laughs> we don't like Casey Affleck, who wrote, directed, and starred oh, in it. But he's right. very good. He wrote a very good movie. It's a very weird story. Uh, a lot of weird detail in it, and I thought it was. Interesting. I wasn't sure if Casey was someone who like somehow avoided getting canceled, even though he should have gotten canceled. But he did actually get canceled. He did get canceled. Yeah. Um. He's still a talented individual. Well, yes, if he's still a talented individual, yeah. but he seems to have done some bad stuff. And then I also saw. Uh, it's uh that month switched over this past week, so it just got taken off Hulu. But it's uh, not only nominated for best documentary, it's also nominated for best international feature. First oh. time that's ever happened. Uh, Honeyland. Absolutely amazing movie. I've, I've heard nothing but good stuff about this movie, oh, and for some wow. reason, I refuse to watch it. I don't so know. I don't know good. why. I don't know why. It's uh, 
part nature documentary, part how we deal with our neighbors documentary, but also it's like, wow, they found a real story here that's super interesting. It's also kind of a metaphor for the death knell of the entire world in its way, too. Oh, great. Nice. Uh, great. Yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, she is a small northern Greece, uh, cut off from the world, keeps bees, climbs a mountain, chills a hole, her bees are there. Uh, and, and then it's a documentary again. This, yes. this is all true. Uh, yeah. She's like a woman in her 50s. She does great at selling the honey. Uh, and then like a family of 10, husband, wife, their eight kids, small kids, move in next door. And she is like pretty nice to them at first. But then like, and she like teaches them how to like do the bee stuff too. because She's not a greedy person. But you know, he has eight kids. So he kind of has to be a greedy person. <laughs> so he kind of like ruins everything. It's very, very interesting. Really? Yeah, interesting. I loved it. And it's set in Greece. I, I didn't even really know that. Yeah, like a uh, very cut off. Uh, yeah, there's like it's such a weird edited movie too. Like they uh, have this argument between father and son, and then just cut to a cow giving birth. <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> yeah, it's a wonderful movie. That's cool. Yeah, I definitely should watch it. I don't know for some reason I just have had this thing where I, I've been hearing so much about how good it was. It has made me not want to see it. Hype, I don't know. Hype's I, there. Yeah, I yeah, get that. I'm just so contrarian sometimes. I just can't. And, and it's not even like I'm articulating it fully in my brain. It's just anytime I see the poster, I'm like, oh no, I don't want to see that. Like it's been on like a bunch of planes that I've been on, oh, yeah. and it's on Hulu. Definitely all the check time. it out. Now I'm it's, sure now it's, it's off Hulu, sure it's and your great. chances off on Hulu. You see stuff? Uh, well, you know, Caleb. Uh, the short answer is no. I didn't really see anything. Um, although I have a couple of things I want to talk about. One is I've been watching this uh, show on Netflix. It's like a Japanese British crime drama show called uh, Giri Haji, or like I think it's Honor Shame or Duty and Shame. You said it's live like action. It is live action. Yeah. Um, did I? Is that Duty weird? To, is that weird to say? I mean, th- th- these are the Japanese words, and I'm like, sure, I'm mispronouncing. Is that weird to say? Because you're saying it weird. <laughs> it could be, it could be that I'm looking up right now the name of because one of the stars is the woman from uh, Boardwalk Empire who was the like nanny or be, who became Nucky's wife, uh, Kelly McDonald. She's Irish oh, sure, She's sure. from Train Spotting. Yeah, exactly. From Train Spotting um, and the voice of Brave and Brave. Do you find that this approach usually works, or let me guess, you've never tried it before? In fact, you don't normally approach girls, am I right? The truth is that you're a quiet, sensitive type, but if I'm prepared to take a chance, I might just get to know the inner you. Witty, adventurous, passionate, loving, loyal. Taxi! A little bit crazy, a little bit bad. But hey, don't us girls just love that. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, she actually, and I will say she is great. She is one of the only like celebrities that I... I'm, you know, I because I used to be in Warlock Empire, right? Mm-hmm. She was always very cool, and she was always like, especially very nice to her stand-in. Like they were basically like best friends, and they would hang out on set all the time, like laughing their asses off. Oh, this is and just like once upon a time. It was very cute, actually. It was, and it made me like her a lot. Uh, so I'm always happy to see her and stuff. Sure, yeah. Also, speaking of people that you're like happy to see and things, or like at least interested to see, um, it's got an extended plot line with uh, Justin Long. <laughs> Hello, I'm a Mac, and I'm a PC. Where Justin oh. Long is like a, cr- a drug doing crime. I like his weirdo when he indulges his weirdo sense, sense. I don't like his starring vehicles, but he's a weirdo when he gets down he's to it. He's a very minor character in the show, and he's also just like fucking everything up and stressed out the whole time. And it's like he's kind of annoying. Definitely, I don't love seeing him because I kind of don't like him all that much, but mm-hmm. he does like a pretty good job in, in the confines of the show, I have to say. Um, so that's been pretty fun. Like, I would recommend that show. It's like pretty 
that's like kind of dumb. I kind of lost steam on it, but it's also like pretty good. Um, good to know you had steam. Yeah, I always have lots of steam. And then the other thing is like, this is not a movie I've seen. No one has seen this movie yet. This is a trailer that came out just days ago, maybe yesterday. Chris, got some hype trailer trailer hype you want to sh- share with the world? Yeah, I want to talk about this new Saw movie with Chris Rock. Like, Oh, Spiral? Spiral, yeah. Like, um, it looks fucking wild it looks yeah really... have you are you a fa- saw fan i have never seen a saw movie Ooh. and what is what is especially i want to say about this movie is the way the trailer goes and i guess the way the movie goes is the 90 percent of it looks like a crime thriller from the late 90s like uh specifically seven it looks like exactly like seven sure. or, or maybe a movie like kiss the girls or something like that along and came then, a spider along came a spider sure whoever did this has another motive they're targeting cops. It becomes a Saw movie <laughs> at a certain point. Because, like, at the beginning, I'm watching the trend. I had forgotten it was a Saw movie. I was like, why in the world is Chris Rock, like, trying to revitalize the genre of, like, cliched detective thrillers from the late 90s? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, right, it's a Saw movie. And like, Which I guess is a joke that he used to say or something. He would say that Apparently he wanted to make a Saw movie. A big, no, it wasn't a joke. Apparently he just well, was a big was fan joke, of yeah. the Saw franchises. And he had a... Uh, pitch he had a good pitch and good enough that they actually let him make it it's fucking crazy he wrote this movie yeah. did he write this movie yeah, also? Had, yeah oh my god i don't know i mean as someone who's never seen a saw movie i'm probably not gonna see seen it a saw movie i've never seen a saw movie so i've saw uh, all of the saw movies in theaters except i didn't see the first one in theater uh and i didn't really i like the first one it's fine the first one probably is the best one uh but I also don't really care about the plot. Like, I quit actually quit paying attention to the plot in the Saw movies and would just get high and go <laughs> see it because they had some amazing deaths. Like, it's really fucked up how they would, like, just sit in a room and think about how to kill people. Yeah. There's some stuff that I think is absolutely amazing uh, of how they, like, because they, they follow through. Uh, like, one of my favorite death in the Saw movies, because, of course, I have a favorite death. There's that classic movie trope where the walls are closing in and everyone always escapes. Mm. Uh, like, like it's in Star Wars, DuckTales. The yes, two the two things, yeah. Star Wars and DuckTales. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a thing where those walls are closing in. So, the so walls you're are saying closing only in. in Disney properties, is that what you're saying? I guess so. But anyway, the walls are closing in on this guy, and he thinks you're, he's about to escape. He's going to escape. Oh, wait, he's not escaping. And they actually show the bones coming out of his ribs and stuff. Oh and But his arm escapes. So when the do- walls are shut, and it's fucked up. Uh, I, it's hard to describe. It's just one of the things I have to see. But then the arm's still there. Just The walls come apart. You just see, like, gunk on the sides of the walls and the arm hanging up from the thing. <laughs> so cool. This is, see... Also, it's a franchise that uh, has a daughter from Seventh Heaven die. Uh, Eddie from Family Matters dies in that shit. The lead singer of Lincoln Park, Chester Bennington, dies in that no, crazy-ass I mean, movie. I hate to break it to you. He's died yeah, in real life a, also. Yeah, yeah there's a, a benefit concert coming up for him soon. Is the, the new Saw movie Spiral also a benefit to Ooh, Chester Bennington? I hope so, in some All degree. proceeds go to Chester Bennington's family for this This. Uh, I wonder what song we're going to play right now. <laughs> Mm, less than 10 seconds of it please i don't want to get sued by the estate of chester bennington yeah that's gross i don't like seeing that kind of that kind of stuff because i'm a good boy as we've said many times dude i love that stuff also i have a lot of empathy for people and i think this is going to come up again when we talk about compliance (laughs) like yeah because it was very hard for me to watch and i know that it's a movie you are a big fan of which I'm not going to say it's not a good movie. We'll talk about it later. Um, and that's enough of that bullshit. Do you want to talk about our first movie this week? Let's talk about our first movie this week, The Assistant. The Assistant. If you can say it cleanly, I won't say it. The Assistant. See, look how hard was that. What a good boy. 
the ass. Istant. Yeah. All right, all right, fine. I shouldn't have pushed my luck. Welcome. Have a seat. Whatever's going on, you can tell me. That's what I'm here for. You're relatively new to the company. I mean, I've been working here for nearly two months. And you're under a lot of stress. Entry-level jobs in this industry are tough, right? Long hours? First one in, last one out. The Assistant is the new movie from uh, writer-director Kitty Green, someone I wasn't familiar with before. It's kind of been billed as the first Me Too movie. It's a it's from the point of view of a young woman working at a film production company that is like Miramax for a an, un, an unseen but extremely powerful and demanding boss who is like Harvey Weinstein. And it's basically like this extremely, extremely uh, detailed look at the minutiae of how, what it would actually have been like to work in an environment like this, you know, and, and the mundane ways that lots of people uh, empower him to live this way. I mean, you come through the movie basically getting the sense that this Harvey Weinstein character is a monster who needs to be fed young women. And in return, all of these people get rich all the time and get to, you know, do all sorts of crazy stuff, but they just have to keep him appeased this like unseen, very, very scary authority figure. It's hard to say if I liked it or not, especially right here at the top. It was just... It was extremely slow. Like lots and lots of stuff does not happen. Um, and like the beginning of the movie, it starts with us someone coming into work. It's it remind me of her name. It's the the actress Julia Garner. Julia Garner, who's was on The Americans, famously for me. She's really really uh, won good an at Emmy that. for Ozark. Won an Emmy for Ozark. Sure, Maniac she's a great, is a really good show. She's a really talented, great young actress. And she's playing the central character, who's this assistant. So she's coming into work. It's very early, and she's, like, getting the office together, right? She's, like, cleaning up from last night, and she's uh, getting ready for the, the coming day, making copies, making coffee. And it seems like like a montage you've seen a lot of times at the beginning of a movie, but then it goes on for 20 minutes, you know? It just continues to be her picking up trash and, like, getting bottles of water and making coffee and checking her phone on and on and on for, you know, without even saying anything for maybe the first 25 minutes of the movie. It's a very interesting experience. Caleb, what what did you think about this movie? Uh, yeah, it's uh, Me Too, hashtag Me Too, in the sense that um, it's about why we need Me Too. This is the heyday of Harvey Weinstein. There's no exact time frame, but, you know, early 2000s probably. Oh, yeah, that's actually like, um, I would say, because there, there is a, it's not to interrupt, but just speaking of the time period, because that was one of the things I thought. I was like, low-key, this movie takes place in like 2012, because it was like... There's a certain point where you see her sending an email, and the email compose window is like very, very old. Oh yeah, it's the kind they weren't like, texting in this movie that much. Yeah, not right. No, yeah. not at all. It's the kind where there's like um, sharp the corners to the buttons. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, it also goes uh, why we not only why we need me to, but why it took so long because this was a vast system. They are portraying. They show this assistant character, Julia Garner. I forget her character's name off the top of my head, but. Uh, very much at the bottom of it, uh, first in, last out. I mean, they the... do it very in a procedural way. Uh, I, I really appreciated that, just to show like, uh, hey, she is working here. She has to do all this stuff, and it's grunt work to only get a modicum of respect, if any. It takes this, or even for people to like realize that she is alive. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. Let alone it's, respect. It's so like... this is a fictional character. She is, and it feels so real because of that procedural of it uh, and they just serialize this entire plot of what is a ostensibly a fictional person yeah. uh, and then there's an elephant in the room the whole time of just his this Harvey Weinstein they never say Harvey Weinstein they, no no they, you hear his voice 
kind of over the phone every once in a while. You just you just brace for him. You know when he's going to come yeah. in. It's uh, or you hear him like yelling through a closed door, and somebody walks out looking like they mm-hmm. were just crying. But you see him in every character. Every character is reacting reacting to him, even though he's not even there. They're like uh, doing things to please him, or doing things so they know that this is what he would like to be done. Yeah, or like trying to keep him from getting angry, you know, mm-hmm. like which is different than pleasing him because everyone's just everyone's just completely terrified of him. I mean, that was one of the things. You know, this is kind of aside from the Me Too-iness of it, but, uh, you know, aside from the sexual abuse, which is a big part of the movie, and while we can talk about that in a minute, I I thought it did a really good job of portraying just the kind of, like, fear that is everywhere when you're in a sort of high-level creative office like that, especially when there's one person who's the owner of the business, which there almost always is, one or two people, and it's just like... Because you know you have this amazing position in life, and these people are probably making a lot of money, except for the Julia Garner character. Um, but you, if he decides that he doesn't like you, then you you have this feeling like it's all over. So everyone is just so tense all the mm-hmm. time, and everyone has learned ways of how to deal with them. Like there is a moment where she uh, doesn't really do anything; she just has happens to take a phone call from his wife, and then he gets and yells at her because his wife's mad she does absolutely nothing she just says okay or something yeah right uh, but nothing, she has to yeah. apologize to him and then everyone rushes to like how to apologize oh to God, him yeah right uh, so you have to mansplain how to Which, apologize but also everyone just has this learned behavior because yeah, they have like, so much experience do. doing it right exactly where is he what did you say what did you say they told me you were smart i overreacted it was not my place to question your decision i will not let you down again you know you can always come to us right come to us first okay um, but at the same time, it is sort of like aggressive the way they're telling. It's because it's two mm-hmm. young men. They're telling her what to write, you know, and it seems like stuff you shouldn't have to say at all. Mm-hmm. But they're just like, oh, yeah, you got to say this and you got to say this. Um, uh, and it feels really, it fe- that also feels like an assault in some way, right? It's like oh, yeah. very icky. To, oh, yeah. To watch. Um, yeah, these are a bunch of uh, small indignities she experiences just by being uh, the direct assistant for him because they know uh, what he's all about. And she's like five months into this job. So they kind of tr- they know this like oh this is a person who's going to go through the ringer a little bit yeah. they probably feel sorry for her a lot too uh but there's like little things like um uh she's doing the dishes and people come in and start talking just leave their dirty dishes for her without even like acknowledging her or talking to her yeah or like people walk into a room for a meeting and they just look at her until she leaves yeah. you know what i mean like i mean there, there is a certain point where a care another character says to her like she's describing the things she does and he says we have janitors. And I mean, I was kind of thinking that through the movie. I was like, basically they're making her seem like the janitor. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have been the intern at a film production mm-hmm. studio and I, I did not have to do the things that, I mean, I did like bring beer for well, a party once, she says but she I didn't have to, to do this kind of stuff. The janitor thing to speak to the janitor thing. She says she has to tidy up because there's evidence being placed in oh through the, God, yeah. one of the things she has to tidy up is she found an earring for someone who uh, was on the infamous casting couch that he has. Right, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of like, just, Oh, wait, you shouldn't be asked to do that stuff. And she seems to get to the office at five in the morning, maybe, yeah. like, which is insane. It turns yeah. on every single light, yeah. And she's there until like 10 o'clock at night or something. I mean, in a certain way, it is it is interesting because, you know, you and I both have worked in the creative industries in various ways. And I feel like in a certain way, my success in that area was hampered because 
I just wasn't willing to do this kind of shit. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I realize that's part of what the movie's about is like, I'm a white man and I feel the privileged and the, like to be able to say something like that. But, but to you get know, down in the grit. I knew lots of people who, and lots of white men who had jobs like this, like where they were magazine interns or something and they were treated in this way. And I would just always say to them, you should quit. <laughs> like nobody should, tr- you don't have to do that. Nobody should treat you mm-hmm. like that. You should just quit. Um, but I do know, but I then I feel like I missed out on a certain amount of success by not doing that. You know, uh, the, it speaks to the power of the individual, this horrible Weinstein-esque individual who can uh, laud that power being like, you play your cards right. You can, uh, get, get ahead in here. And it makes, uh, it makes her, uh, complicit in, uh, a certain regard in that she has to shield her eyes or like let things pass underneath and it does come to a halt in this movie and when they introduce a new younger character right, sure. uh who uh, an assistant that gets hired and she kind of uh the julia garner character kind of judges her uh and i think that's a very well acting from julia garner uh to just have the duality in the sense of being like shocked for her but also being like Oh wait! You, you, how did you get this job? You have or nothing like, on your you resume. Or like, do you even really have this job, or is this just like yes. something he's telling you so that he can have sex with you? It's like an excuse. So it's basically like he met her in Sun Valley, right? Which is, you know, Telluride. Is that the Telluride Film Festival? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was like a waitress at a restaurant, and then he flew her to New York, put her up in some extremely fancy hotel, and gave her a job, like quote unquote, as an assistant. And I think what Julia Garner is trying to figure out is like. Does this, my does job this woman okay really or, have a job? Yeah. Is, do I not have a job anymore? Like, is is and eventually what she starts to think is like, oh, is this woman here to be like sexually abused by my boss? It's a very complicated mix of emotions, and mm-hmm. I think she does a very good job conveying them again without saying like hardly anything. You know, there one of the things about this movie, and I was joking about this, is like there is hardly any dialogue. No. There is basically zero dialogue, especially between like two characters talking to each other. Like you kind of overhear things. But there's hardly any like scenes. It, it kind of plays know? into the like, what can these people say to each other? Like, there's a scene where uh, this woman brings in uh, kids. I don't really know who she was, but there's like she brings in kids. I, I think she right. probably slept. I with... guess it was like his nanny yeah. with his kids. Maybe I thought was what it was supposed to be. Uh, but there's a part where they like both have to be in the bathroom at the same time and like collecting themselves because she splashes water on her face. Yeah, uh, but they look at each other and just. Uh, Julie Garner smiles to acknowledge and then the other woman just doesn't give it back to her just leaves because it's just like it's all too much yeah well so there is one scene with dialogue which is this amazing scene where Julia Garner is because of this assistant I don't know if I'm skipping ahead too much you're fine um wants to she basically for the complicated mix of emotions we've been talking about but also mostly to protect her I think she tries to go to HR and report the fact that like something is going on because she's found out that the the boss is he's missed this really important yeah, meeting was because like a, he was at the hotel yeah and there was a, a joke someone said about the hotel uh like um where did you put that new girl at and she says the hotel's like oh that's where he is right exactly and then she's like oh wait that's a joke what and, right is it is it is that true yeah. and there is actually so related to this because then he's at the hotel for a long time we we think you know there's a very important meeting with these investors that have come oh, in yeah 
and he misses the meeting, but the way we, because he's at the hotel with this assistant, but the way we see it as Julia Garner is like, she's in the kitchen. She has to get all these fucking bottles of water and all these glasses and she's carrying them all and she can like barely fit them in her arms. And right as she leaves the kitchen and sort of rounding the corner to go to the room, she's seeing one of the executives at the company chasing after these investors going like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry he's not here. Yeah. And they're all getting on the elevator to leave. Uh, and then she like sighs and rolls her eyes and walks back to the kitchen with all this stuff because she has to go put it all away, which I just thought was like so perfectly done and like funny, you know, yeah. but also very true to life. Uh, I, I loved I loved that. Yeah, uh, I think the directing of it overall was uh, kind of experimental, which is really good. Like, yeah, one they don't show the Harvey Weinstein character too much. It's pretty dialogue free. Uh, but her movie before this, Kitty Green. Uh, was casting John Bonet, which was about finding a young actress. It was a documentary. It was uh, real about finding a actress to play John Bonet. So it was like having these real acting scenes. So it's like another experimental film. This is kind of the reverse of that, where it's kind of like a fictional movie trying to make itself real in a way, too. Well, I mean, and you can definitely tell that she has a background as a, a documentarian. Yes, yeah, because the way that the film is shot is just aggressively real. Yeah, like all observational. the things all the shots are, you know, things Julia Garner would be seeing, mm -hmm. like things we're supposed to believe she's looking at, or it's, you know, us seeing her doing something. Yeah, over the and shoulder. The, the way they're shot is just so like, yeah, that's what you'd be looking mm -hmm. at. It's just like a little square on the table or looking through a window at something you can't really see. And I, you know, I when I was especially when I was younger, I had a was a really a huge sucker for that kind of stuff. Like the kind of observational filmmaking that reflects the way that you actually experience being alive in the world. Oh, yeah, is so, cinema. so rare. Uh, and it's really interesting to see in a movie like this, you mm -hmm. know? Um, but so, yeah, so the only scene, so because of all this, she goes and makes, tries to make a report oh, to right. HR saying like, I think something bad is going on with this assistant. And at first the HR person is very like, he's, he's, he's chatting not, to her yeah. and he's like saying like, Oh, what do you want to do? And she's like, Oh, I want to produce. And he's like, Oh, that's great. Well, then how come you're trying to fuck it all up? Yeah. And then he has this crazy where he's just like berating her. I mean, what, what did you think about this? He scene? listens to her. He writes down notes as she's talking. Then he realizes, like, like, I don't have to write this down as he's doing yeah. it. He keeps saying stuff like flapping the paper and going like, so you want me to report this? You want me to report this? And you can see he's got like four words and at written first, on the he's like paper. being very open to her because, you know, it's his job. Uh, then he realizes like, oh, wait, I'm not going to get my guy in trouble. I'm, as I know... Uh, where my where my money comes from i'm not gonna move forward with this i can but like i'm just gonna explain she's smart enough to under hear this now right. um and it's matthew uh, mcfaden who plays our good friend tom on succession um it's really it's a really interesting scene this hr scene because it goes from you know i don't know if it's so much that he realizes that he doesn't have to do it, it, it it's almost like he's He's just like, this girl doesn't understand how things work. And I need to tell her yeah. how things work, you know, and she needs, and I'm also, and, but it's also, there's a, there's a tinge to it. That's like, she could make a report and he's very careful to say like, do you want me to report this? But he, then he says a bunch of stuff that are like, he's like, do you want me to report this? You stupid fucking idiot. Yeah. You know, but he, says it, but he like, makes her say he does. He's very, it's very legalistic. Yeah. Like he makes her say she doesn't want to report it. Yeah. He just you know? kind of bears it out to her and like, this is all like hearsay and there's nearly like, no you want me to report what? Yeah. That like, there's a new it's assistant a and joke. she lives in a hotel. Like what? That doesn't mean anything. You know, he's like, you know that, that he went to the hotel. You saw him go there. And she's like, well, no, I didn't see it. And he's like, well, then, so what? You heard someone make a joke about something, and that's what you want me to report? Uh, there's a small scene in it as part of an earlier thing where she has to do all this work, all this grunt work, montage stuff. She's riding up and down the elevator. She's sharing the elevator at one point with Patrick Wilson. Oh, uh, who not, I think is supposed to be playing himself. I'm pretty sure he's playing himself. A stand-in for every actor who's benefited right. oh, off yeah. of the horrific 
life of Harvey Weinstein. And also just every, have you ever, I mean, have you ever been in this kind of situation where you've been in that kind of environment with someone who's very, very famous? Yeah. Um, it, it's, I mean, me too, right? So it's very weird. So basically the scene is the two, just the two of them are in the elevator and he's looking at his phone the whole time, doesn't look up from his phone and she's like, keeps looking at him and then looking back at what she has. And it's almost like she's about to say something the entire time, but it seems like he's oblivious of her. Mm -hmm. But then they both go to step out of the elevator at the same time. And he laughs and like puts his hand on her arm, but it's something about the way that he does it. It's like he has been aware of her the entire time and has been intentionally not looking at her. And it's like, it's both a, a genuine moment where they do have a little interaction where he just kind of like laughs and, but it's also kind of like so dicky. Like it's yeah. so fucking Maybe a metaphor dicky. for her whole existence at this place where uh, men in power can choose to ignore her. Yeah. Uh, but can choose to acknowledge her when they ever need her. Need but to. that is just so what it's like just to be around uh, someone that famous, you know? Because it's like you, you feel. Wilson. I mean, and it is funny that it's Patrick Wilson because he's like actually not that famous. <laughs> like, enough the extent to which the HR scene is the only scene with dialogue in the entire movie. My well, man, uh, one of the guys. Uh, this actor I like, his name is Noah Robbins. He was great in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, he has a line, this is turkey, I wanted chicken. Yeah, he is also in that show Evil that I've been watching. Oh, so, I heard that, the CBS show. I heard it's good for yes. CBS. So not to talk, I know I'm, I'm an adult, I have a child, and I'm watching network television. Um, but it's, you know, it's from the people that made The Good Place and the, or not The Good Place, The Good, good Wife. The, the Good Wife and The Good Fight. Their new show is this kind of, supernatural procedural called evil which is pretty good and he's on it playing basically the exact same character i like him noah robbins good yeah, young actor great. yeah he's very very annoying but in that's what he's supposed to be doing you know uh so yeah from one unseen monster and harvey harvey weinstein to a another guy over the phone movie uh about abuse and also um we talked about Julia Garner being somewhat complicit in her behavior. This movie is called Compliant Compliance, uh, which it's is different about, than complicity, but you know, uh, it has the same first several letters. It does indeed, yes. Uh, and also, uh, yeah, we could talk about it. Uh, compliance. This is Officer Daniels with the police department. I have a woman here saying one of your employees took money out of her purse. We need to find the money, but I'll need your help till I can get down there. We really have two choices here. He's saying he will have to take you to jail. Or what we could do is have you strip search her right now. I could strip search you here. No. No. Based on true events, true and harrowing events, Compliant recants the story of the strip search phone scam, which was a series of events starting in 1992 involving a man calling restaurants or grocery store chains, posing as a police officer, and convincing managers to conduct strip searches of female employees. Compliance takes place toward the end of this ordeal, though still works through all of the vile machinations. Director Craig Zobel plays out the movie with realistic detail that embellishes banality in the everyday and horror in the culminating event. While the movie is very much an endurance test with haunting psychological implications, you are the, fucking right. the film is lifted into less shocking, more challenging, thought-provoking territory by its cast and its central star, Anne Dowd. Why do we obey authority? Is it a sense of what is right? Is it anxiety? In the attempts to answer this, uh, Zobel uses familiar film thriller tropes, but with his script and the perfectly cast Dowd, he breaks through that familiarity and the unease with a polite Midwestern chit-chat as Ann Dowd's uh, fast food manager allows her sense of authority to conduct her actions. Chris, let's talk about compliance. Oh my God. 
Yes. So, I mean, there's definitely a lot of similarities, at least in the uh, beginning of the movie, because I would say it's also a movie that is very closely observed and realistically filmed. And it's about the mundanity of your existence. That's It's kind of that's at the beginning of the movie, it's grounding you in just like these people work at a fast food restaurant. It's very mundane and every day and like it, but it takes, it definitely takes its time establishing this world, you know, lots of like rack focus on French fries, like that kind of stuff. But when you say it's an endurance test, like you are not fucking kidding around because it is like, I know I say this all the time. I found it very hard to watch. I found it very, very hard to watch. I found it was the kind of movie. It was so insidious and aggressive in a certain way that I couldn't it was like I couldn't look directly at it like I had to look like to the side of my tv because it was so intense um so yeah uh, this premiered at Sundance in 2012 uh another similarity this uh this isn't was at Sundance this year um and it uh was notorious at its premiere uh there was a shouting match at a at the Q&A uh like a woman sailed up rape is not for entertainment uh before the cast and the director even came out uh that uh and then during the Q&A and this is fucking wild men in the crowd uh were uh, the actress who uh was the perp who was strip shirt her name is Dreama Walker uh she was talking about being cast and the whole idea of uh like uh being a young attractive woman in Hollywood and this is the movie that she's in uh and someone kind of cat called her out in the crowd uh which is insanely fucked up especially in for what this sense like what what did they like what, do you know uh, what they, they said actually... yeah I, I, they did have it in the article but i didn't write it down okay, it was yeah. something to along the lines of probably because you're so attractive is why you were cast um okay so it's interesting but, to hear that but, this uh, happened uh, uh, yeah um but i would like to, just to give a shout out because this reading about this was really weird um there's an actress in his name who's uh her name is ashley atkinson she's great she was in uh black klansman uh she was in the last episodes of mr robot she was really really good anyway uh she shut this shit down. She kind of brought the whole Q&A on track, and I loved this quote uh, about her and this movie. Uh, quote, My immediate reaction upon seeing the film is that a girl as cute as Dreama feels so robbed of any agency and thereby any effort at beauty. If you can see beauty and find it appealing when all of her agency and her power is taken from her, then I don't know what to say to you. Let's shut that shit down. I mean, it's a very thoughtful reply to that, 100% for sure. Um... What I was going to say is it's very interesting to hear that someone said that about this man we screamed it at her. I mean, obviously that's incredibly inappropriate. Um, but it is it's almost like distract it's a weird choice to make to cast a girl who is as hot as she is in I mean, this part. It's it's, you cast it's the an best odd actors. choice. You cast the best actors. Yeah, and it has it wouldn't be an effective movie if it wasn't an attractive girl. You're allowed to cast attractive people in your movies as means of the story. Uh, but it's, it is because it's because she's the victim of this assault, basically. And it's not basically. She's a victim of assault. She's raped. She's raped. I mean, she's raped. But but before the rape even happens, I mean, she's already... The basic story, like you were saying in your introduction, is that someone someone calls this fast food restaurant. They're po- they say, I'm an officer of the law. I'm a police officer. Conducting someone an investigation. stole something. Someone stole something. And it starts off kind of reasonable. She's, he's like, oh, I... You know, your employee, he's like, do you have a, a girl, like, blonde working at the cash register, like, 19? And he's obviously just doing, like, cold reading kind yeah. of stuff, just saying the kind of person who might be at the cash register. And the manager says, oh, Becky? And he's like, yes, that's it, Rebecca. And then he's like, I th- well, I've got a report she stole something, and uh, I just need you to, like, hold her until we can get there. And right away, Ann Dowd is like, oh, okay, sure, you know, I can hold her. But then it's like, it spends the next two hours getting increasingly increasingly like less reasonable requests but they're kind of grounded in this original bit of 
believability and this is what you're saying the whole movie is about these questions of like why do we obey authority i mean during the movie i'm making notes like america is fascist like everyone mm-hmm. in america is, is a fascist like this is terrible but i think that it's it's beyond just modern america it's it, it is something about human nature and like why do we create systems of authority and I, we, we create them in a certain sense to give us permission to do to do things we wouldn't otherwise do because it, you're saying like well there's this system i mean it's almost like when you go in a bodega and they have written a, just a handwritten sign on the wall that says no credit and they point at it like somehow it seems more official and believable if it's on a sign than yeah. if you just say it. And that's something, it's like, that's what this movie's about in its own way as well. It's like, why do we believe authority and why do we do what it says, even when it seems so unreasonable? And I mean, I would say, you know, very relevant questions at this moment in history, like very, yeah. very relevant questions. And the uh, I like to talk about Ann Dowd, who plays the fast food manager, uh, and yeah, she's the one who goes along with this authority and even asserts her own authority, too. She's the manager. Uh, she had to lay down the law. There's a secret shopper coming in. Uh, God, it's the right. Friday night rush. Um, There's a bunch of bacon spoiled last night. Oh, another yeah. Big plot no thing. bacon, yeah. There's no bacon. We're out of We're bacon totally out of yeah. bacon. <laughs> and it's funny because during the course of the movie, she's basically more stressed out about being out of bacon than she is about locking this girl in a supply closet. Yeah, she just thinks she's doing her. the right thing. She feels like, uh, oh, I've got it under control. I've done everything this go- a police officer says. And it's like, even when people are pointing out to her, like, well, the police haven't come yet. And like, do you think this is right? She just goes like, yeah, I know it's crazy, <laughs> you know? But it's like, it, the thought of not doing it never occurs to yeah. her. But she's just like, yeah, I know. <laughs> wow, crazy, right? <laughs> um, so uh, Ann Dowd won the, uh, a very good award, the National Board of Re- uh, Review Award for Best Supporting Actress. Uh um, probably this movie's legacy is her and the career she's turned into this person who obeys authority with Aunt Lydia now from uh, The Handmaid's Tale, which yeah, is right. it's basically the very, same, same exact yeah. role in a way. Uh, she's also great in Hereditary as a person who follows the uh, authority of Satan. <laughs> but it is just at the same time, it's a very grueling thing to watch yeah. because basically the the setup happens within the first 20 minutes that there's like this woman in there she's being tortured by her boss via this guy over the phone but it just keeps happening it keeps happening and it keeps happening for the rest of the runtime of the movie almost uh, like they bring in different people to watch her at one point it's uh uh her coworker uh who's another young guy he's being more like probably what I would be like, oh, I don't know. This is a right. Guys. He's like, oh, look, I, uh, she's my friend. And I yeah. don't want to do this. I can't do this. But he doesn't say let her out. He's just like, I, I don't want to do this. He's you like, know? yeah. Um, he wheels it out of it. And that actor is uh, Philip Edinger, who was great in First Reformed. He was the guy who uh, killed himself in First oh, Reformed. Oh, was he really? Yeah. Oh, um, wow. Much, much younger. Uh, and But then she eventually brings in uh, a very inappropriate, her non-employee, a non-employee, her, her fiance, fiance oh which is... Bill Camp, who we've talked about yeah, last just, uh, yeah, last episode, last week, yeah. <laughs> but he's like, uh, but but just to say, like, basically every character that comes in, they have the exact same interaction with this guy on the phone, where they're mm-hmm. like, "What you want me to do? What?" And he's like, "Look, I'm an officer of the law. Stop! Don't mouth you off gotta to do me. This. Yeah. You got to do this." And um, it's something about it as a viewer. It's the way that it's like repetitive, and the way that it's like you know how it's going to turn out before it even starts and you so badly want it to turn out differently, but you know, it won't. And it, in almost every circumstance, it's almost like watching funny games. Mm-hmm. It's just oh, has this yeah. way of it. Like it's like this inevitable doom that is like, so it's terrifying yeah, because um, it seems so easy to get out of. And yet you can't get out of it somehow. Uh, I wrote down a uh, Hanukkah esque uh, as part of my uh, 
Craig Zobel note of direction notes for Craig Zobel. But uh, also, yeah, it's like he's like this caller is playing uh, like a video game. Like, okay, if I get to this point, right. I could get to do this or right, this. Like the worst that would ha- happen to him is he gets hung up on. Right. Because uh, he's been doing this since like the early 90s. He's been doing this for <laughs> yeah. like 15 years by this um, point. Yeah. Uh, and to get you, the listener, a better picture of this guy, uh, they do show him. Uh, he's not all off screen. And it's uh, character actor Pat Healy. This is early so enough funny, in right? his career. Uh, this is like, oh, 2012. Not, uh, he wouldn't super break out. But he kind of just got pigeonholed in that creep. And he's good at it. He's an amazing creep. Uh, like before that, he was in like uh, Magnolia and Ghost World. And uh, I like this movie Cheap Thrills. He did shortly after this movie. Uh, but Pat Healy is super oily he's a very good actor it is kind of an interesting choice though i think you know because we're talking a lot about the subject matter of the film and it's kind of hard to talk about it as a film because it almost entirely takes place in the storeroom of this fast food restaurant and it doesn't really open itself up a lot beyond that it's a very claustrophobic yeah yeah yeah. like 85 percent of the runtime and it's just very hard to even like think about it as a piece of cinema because there's not a lot of like shots it's just kind of like you're watching disaster unfold yeah. and there's like a lot of three foot square mm-hmm. room you know and to, to to a point it's um a lot of the horror is off screen like they never show her actually being like touched Assaulted. Yeah, right. uh yeah. but it's all just implied uh like uh after bill they never show what bill camp does to her but they just show him leaving the room awkwardly yeah. and his fiance comes oh, back and in. they show him her like on her hands and knees yeah like you kind of get the idea Especially because by this point, in, in order to not have to watch the movie too closely, I had looked up the real case, so I knew There's everything a bunch of them, yeah. that happened. Well, like, this is in well, particular. This is a particular one. This is, uh, this particular is that one that actually caught him. Yeah, this is, well, yeah, at caught Mc, him. At McDonald's. I wonder at why they McDonald's. couldn't get the rights to McDonald's. Yeah, I know. They said that, what's it called? Like, Chicken Chick Witch. Chick Witch. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, just to talk about the real case for a minute. It's, so, it was, yeah, this guy had been doing this for, since the early 90s. Um, because of this one, they ended up actually catching him because he had been making all these calls on like either prepaid cell phones or um, calling cards, but somehow they were able to find him. Um, but they didn't convict him. He did got off. For, uh, he was not convicted. And then, but the the guy, the fiance character who, you know, conducts the uh, sexual assault of the employee at the direction of this guy on the phone, he got five years in prison, but the actual person yeah, who did, did it got was up. not convicted. Yeah, I read that. It's, it's fucked it was up. terrible, yeah. yeah. And then both the manager and the uh, employee sued McDonald's, and the employee got like... Uh, like two million? No, no. No, the got, woman got like two million. Yeah, the woman got two... So uh, the victim got 6.1 million, and the manager got 2.1 million, plus like millions of dollars in attorney's fees. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's... In, because in a way that it's sort of like the manager is also the perpetrator because she's the one actually doing all yeah. the stuff and compliance who is yeah. compliance and who's refusing to ever say like this is crazy i mm-hmm. don't want to do this or to say like look i know this girl she works for me and this is all and say if you want to come here come here and like hang up mm-hmm. the phone or something she's doing it all but yet at a certain sense she's also the victim right oh you know? yeah uh so they uh show that wall of her at the end uh, she gets on like a 2020 news show yeah. uh and this uh, the newscaster basically asks her are you a victim she's like I am a victim, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it is, it's interesting the way they show her basically like she does not feel bad. She does not... No, she, she doesn't feel bad. She seems confused and she feels like she knows something bad happened, but she doesn't believe that she did anything yeah, wrong. Yeah, she has a, such an entitlement. Uh, like I just did... She like I mean, she says in the interview, herself, yeah. I, did, I did what I thought was right. Megalomania, know? is that I believe the term? I mean, it's not even megalomania because it's like, it's it's unconnected from her. It's it, But it, it, it's even having gone through this experience, it hasn't shaken her belief no, yeah. in the authority system. You know, she just... 
she hasn't even processed yeah, it during in that this way, final newscast. You know? He's like, this newscast is kind of like, I can't believe you're like this. And she just kind of flips the subject to be like, and where are you from? New Orleans? Oh, it's hot down there. Yeah, that's how that's, the movie that's ends. That's the end of the movie. <laughs> Uh, it's so uh, I like to say this movie's hard to watch, and there is nudity in it. And it's uh, I thought uh, nudity when you have nudity in the movie, you should do it for a purpose. Uh, it's definitely for a purpose. Purpose yeah. to be uh, is funny in sometimes in movies. I shout out to Dewey Cox and Wieners. Um, but this is to show vulnerability. This is to show like yeah. how scary it is. It's not exploitative. It's just very like, ugh. it's very well, it's, like, it's very weird it's a feeling you don't want to have which is a uh, uh, movie magic they give you feelings sometimes you aren't comfortable with <laughs> I mean, it's true i mean what i was going to say is it's interesting because there is a duality to it right because the character is being exploited and sexually abused so there's definitely it's exploitive in that way right but or but as as a, the actress as a film it's like of course this is extremely motivated and it's very she's coming from a very vulnerable place and you're you're showing you honestly how she was victimized but this is what i was saying about it like Look, you know, obviously the casting process is the casting process and like people, um, you know, everybody goes into it with a certain idea of what they're looking for. Like you're looking for a type as much as you're looking for a skilled actor. And the choice to make this girl like extremely hot and in shape, I just feel is weird. I feel like it's weird, you know, like because it, it, it adds another weird layer to the, the scene that you're watching. It uh, it sounds like it's like, challenging she doesn't, like, she doesn't look like a normal teenager. She doesn't look like a normal teenager. She looks like an extremely in-shape woman in Ooh, Hollywood. Now you have to, to give the listeners what your definition of a normal teenager looks like. I just mean she doesn't look like a normal person. Do you know what I mean? She looks like a Hollywood person. Eh, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. She is... You don't think that this woman looks like a, a Hollywood person? I think she looks like a teenager who was an attractive teenager. All right. I mean, you hang out at different places than me, I guess. But um, I just think I just think it's it's one of the things in the movie that gave me pause. In a movie that is, I like, mean, in a movie of all character actors, she is the most attractive. I mean, against uh, Bill Camp. <laughs> well, exactly. Like, look at the other characters. No, none of the other characters are anywhere approaching yeah, as hot uh, as she is. Yeah, even uh, uh, I love her, but Ashley Atkinson uh, played. Uh, she had like a, a fat commercial on MTV for a while. She's also in like the first episode of Louie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she's the um, Marty. She's like the other coworker. Yeah, the friend of hers. Yeah. 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 But it's, it's just weird. In a movie where everyone else looks very much like a real person, the only person who takes their clothes off is like astoundingly not hey, look puts like it a back, real person. Puts it back on the audience. That's what Haneke, another uh, little Haneke thing that he I would do. So. He puts it back on the audience, so. makes you uh, think about the movie, makes you feel uncomfortable, makes you. Uh, puts the onus on you of like why do you feel that uh i mean it's true right it's true yeah uh so yeah i'll just uh give a little more shout out to craig zobel a director i like a lot who's not getting uh, out there as much well there's a reason uh, for that well right? he did um he came under broke under david gordon green he was like second unit director on like george washington and some earlier uh undertow which i love uh uh, he did Z for Zachariah, which is a great Margot Robbie movie. If you don't think Margot Robbie is a good actress, shame on you. She is um, a very good actress, yeah. Uh, great. Well, it sounds great. Uh, and I hope I get to see The Hunt one day. Well, this is the thing. You're talking about not him not getting the exposure that he I wants. Mean, He's he, the director of The Hunt, the movie that was canceled the last year because of a mass shooting. Uh, so because like, of Donald Trump tweeting about it. Because of Donald Trump tweeting about it, right. I mean, that's not a... Uh, sorry that he made uh, a story that's been told before. It's uh, the d- most dangerous game is I mean, what this exactly, movie it's is. the most dangerous game. It, yeah, I hope it, his... Uh, like it, it sounds like it's hurting his career a lot. I don't know. They're hopefully we'll release that this year, or just we'll get to see it. And I don't like, know. Yeah, 
But I mean, it was crazy to find out that that he had also directed that yeah, movie. Yeah, he's a, he's a decent director. Can I tell you the other thing that he did was, and this is old people like me will appreciate this, hmm. he co-created Homestar Runner. Oh, really? <laughs> well, in a certain sense. Basically, it's these two brothers uh, who did Homestar Runner. With one of the brothers, he created the characters that then later on they used in Homestar Runner. Yeah, every, so they came up with all the characters quoted together. it all the time, and I was very ambivalent to it while I... <laughs> I mean, Wish if you were to watch the Simpsons again. my number one time watching Homestar Runner was when I had an overnight shift on the college radio station. I was there from two to six a.m. and I would watch Homestar Runner videos like to stay awake, basically. Sure. Uh, and also, it was the very early two thousands. Yeah. This this was in this was literally in the year two thousand. Yeah. Or was maybe two thousand one. Yeah. Two two thousand. So like, yeah. Yeah. It was. There Did was not know else that to do. he was a homestar. A homestar. A homestar yeah, it's guy. Very weird. It's very weird. Uh, do you have anything else to say? Want to do the really, Sophie's choice of it all? I don't like, like Caleb. Let's say that you were Ooh, going. How are you going to gonna be... do this one? <laughs> Caleb, look, don't. Are you laughing at me? I'm an officer of the law. Look, you cannot. Are you, look, if you need to address me, you need to address me as sir. Okay, sir. Yeah, no, touch your ankles. Touch. Oh my God, it's so. It's just so unrelenting. That's the other thing about it. It's yeah. unrelenting. It doesn't let up. Um, let's say that you had to be locked in a storeroom and you had to be strip searched and wear an apron, uh, for like eight or 10 hours, unless you picked one of these two movies. Boop, doop, doop, doop. So I like, uh, both these movies a lot. I, they, uh, make me think more than your standard Hollywood fare as they are both independent projects from the Sundance film festival. Uh, I, Really, still, uh, as my I'm finishing the sentence, don't know what I'm gonna pick. Uh, one is uh, they're both uh, ones over the course. They're both over the course of a day too. Yeah, Another that's similarity. True, yeah. Uh, one is more of a direct abuse, uh, and one is more of like a systematic abuse that we're seeing. I think I'm gonna. I I, I like uh, com- compliance a lot. I saw it uh, when it first came out, and I grew up now with like eight years with watching these actors become my favorite character Mm -hmm. actors but i watching again this week i was like yeah this is just super hard to watch and uh it is in a week removed from watching the assistant now i'm like oh wow what that was uh just felt powerful so i think i'm gonna go the assistant caleb i gotta agree with you 100 percent um i'm so glad to i think this is maybe the first time i've ever heard you say something was hard to watch Maybe in my entire life. I mean, I agree that things are hard to watch, but I, I always say I like when it's hard to watch, which yeah. I like how hard to watch this is. But it's something <laughs> about it because it's not like there's nothing. There's nothing going on except the tension of this phone call, you know. So I mean, it's as a viewer, it's just very hard. Like it's not like there's like you're talking about a Saw movie where there's all sorts of crazy deaths sure. and stuff. Like that's I find that hard to watch, but at least it's like this is like crazy action <laughs> and it's edited in this way and there's all these music cues. But with this, it's just like. One person on the phone, one person in a, a, in a toilet room. room. Yeah, and it's you're just talking, and one person is convincing the other person to do something disgusting, mm-hmm. and you know they're gonna win, you know. And it's like, oh my god. So yeah, I would also go with the assistant. Mm-hmm. You know, I I stand by my uh, analysis of it as like the ex- most extremely boring movie I've ever seen in my life. But it's it's not so much it's boring that it's it's just watching watching things that are mundane happen, and there's a certain transcendence in that. Like it's almost. It's almost transcendently boring. Like you, uh, you sure. enter another plane of existence because you're so zoned on this movie. I can't wait till we get Marvel movies like that. Yeah, I can't wait. I think, I think the new Doctor Strange movie is going to be like that, right? 
uh, him resetting his watch, his thousands of watches. Him resetting thousands Possibly directed of by Sam Raimi. Yeah, it could be interesting. Um, so anyway, that's the show for this week, guys. That's the show for this week, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. It's always so nice to see you. Wow. You're looking you great. You're I looking great. I'm looking for you, but you are not the same. Bye, the beautiful. Bye, bye. Bye. Okay, so earlier in the evening, I told you, Caleb, I had done something bad. And the thing that I did that was bad, I think I told you already that I I wrote my intro for the assistant, like in character as Gene Shalit, because I just couldn't (laughs) stop thinking of puns related to the assistant. Oh, man. And so I just kind of wrote it in character as Gene Shalit. So I don't know if everybody's familiar with Gene Shalit. He's a movie critic from the, you know, 70s through 2000s, where his big thing is he had a huge mustache and he made a bunch of terrible puns all the time. Um, and I can't really do, I was trying to do his voice and one of my friends told me I sounded anti-Semitic. So I'm not going to, yeah. I'm not going to try to do it exactly, but maybe a little bit. It's a little bit like Dr. Demento. It's a little bit like Dr. Demento because he talks kind of loud. It's like this. It's like this. But you don't. Yeah. It's like Daffy and, Duckish. And he's, he's got a little bit of a lisp. Okay. So here's what I'm going to try to say. The assistant. Mister, you could take this job and shove it. The new movie from writer-director Kitty Green is about working for someone like Harvey Weinstein. Weinstein? More like this movie left me whining because I wasn't seeing anything happen. After the first 45 minutes of watching someone make copies and take out the trash, you'll be the one opening the want ads. So that's like, that's the thing that I did. Did you really not like it?